0: You have just entered the Rocket Metal Combat
1: Podcast with Ralph
0: Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuck,
1: Ian Wiley,
0: the Ayatollah of Alcohola, and Terrence Reading, The Rock Sponge. Now spread those ear holes and let them turn your brain to mush. This is... The Rocket Metal
1: Combat Podcast Take an amazing voyage to somewhere in time. The new album from Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Catch them somewhere on tour sometime in early 1987. Somewhere in time on Capitol.
0: Everybody, it's me, Doctor Fuck from Thrasher Die, Ralph Vieira, and here we are again for another exciting uh, episode of Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And uh, this week we're gonna talk about Iron Maiden somewhere in time. And before I get into my whole spiel about Maiden and this album, I wanna say hello to Terrence and Ian. How you guys doing?
1: Not too shabby, my friend. How about I, you, Ian? Yeah, I I am a court low but a but a beer high, so all I'm right. all right.
0: Alright, cool. As long as you're drunk, man.
1: Yes, as always.
0: Alright, cool. Then then it'll be a good show. All right, so uh before I get into my Iron Maiden thing, I want uh, both of you to give me your thoughts on uh, Somewhere in Time and your thoughts on Iron Maiden in general. Uh you start off, Terrence.
2: We'll do. Somewhere in Time by Iron Maiden, I first discovered, thanks to MTV, playing the ever-living hell out of the video, Wasted Years. Although it wasn't my real introduction to Maiden. That had to have been three years before when I saw the video for Flight of Icarus on MTV. But didn't have the balls to buy peace of mind as a seven, eight-year-old. And then Two Minutes to Midnight blew my mind when I saw that on MTV for Power Slave. And then Wasted Years just sort of said, hey, Maiden's your band. And, um... And then Somewhere in Time was the first Maiden album I heard and then acquired via a trade with my eldest sister, his ex-boyfriend. And then my dad bought me a replacement copy a year later. And my first Maiden album when I restarted the Maiden canon was Seven Son, then Somewhere in Time, then Killers. And to be honest with you, I love both the Deano and Dickinson eras equally. You can do that. It might sound an oxymoron. But both eras of Deano and Dickinson I love. But um, Blaze Bailey, I despise. Ralph, uh, Ian, take it away.
1: All right. Uh, Somewhere in Time was my first Iron Maiden album. I bought this and Wasp inside the Electric Circus on the same day. And this was kind of Mm -hmm. what sealed the deal for me as getting into metal. Uh, Because before then I had, you know, what you would call cock rock, some pop metal. Uh, I was actually scared of Maiden at that point. Friends were teasing me for listening to Hard Rock. They're like, oh, you're going to become a stoner now. Which I'm like, hey, it ain't like I'm listening to Iron Maiden. But I saw the video for uh, Stranger in a Strange Land. I'm like, this sounds pretty fucking cool. And, uh, man, I came home, put it on, and it just it blew my mind and immediately went back and, and bought the whole uh, discography. Uh, same as Terrence. I love the Deanna era. Just as good, you know, in my opinion, as the Dickinson era. Just different, but both equally powerful. It's not like, uh, you know, Van Halen, Van Hagar, where one is godly and one sucks. I think they're both godly in their own right. Uh, And it just started a lifelong love affair with Iron Maiden. So, Ralph, what do you think?
0: Damn, dude, you like Van Hagar?
1: No. Hell no.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I I wasn't paying attention, I guess. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right, my uh, love for uh, Iron Maiden started in 1980 when I went to a record store and I saw the very first Iron Maiden album. And I turned the album around, and it was like, "What is this?" Judas Priest, because you had Dennis Stratton with the with the red lep- uh, leather pants. You had uh, Dave Murray with uh, the 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 vest, and you know he looked like KK, and and Paul Diano looked like uh, Hallford, and well. Steve Harris looked like Pete Way, but I still said, Hey man, I gotta, I gotta own this. This is, looks like a Judas priest thing, you know? And I'm the, um, the um cover itself was like, wow, I never heard of Iron Maiden. I'm taking this home. I did. I walked out the record store. Well, I paid for it. I walked out, I went home, I put it on. The first thing I ever heard from Iron Maiden was the song Prowler and that got me hooked. And I was like, then, you know, remember tomorrow running free. Then when it got to um, Phantom of the Opera, I was like, this is the most intensely fast band I've ever heard in my life because I almost, this was like maybe three months before I saw Motorhead Live with, at their first U.S. show, but that's a whole different story. But Maiden was like, you know, to me, gods. And then I remember hearing Rothschild, um, on the radio, believe it or not I was, That's how I was aware there was a second Iron Maiden album And then soon after that I mean, this is pre-internet and pre-everything That when Number of the Beast came out I was like, wait, so where's Paul Deano? I had no idea he was out of the band Number of the Beast blew my mind So did uh, Peace of Mind And Power Slave All exceptionally great albums And that's where it stopped for me Yeah, I know a lot of people <laughs> that Are going to hate me for my opinion on somewhere ha in time. Yeah, did you hear me? Let me repeat that. Somewhere ha in time. Do you know why I'm saying somewhere ha in time? Do you guys know why I'm saying that? Oh, I'll explain it. What's the acronym of somewhere ha in time? Shit. That's right. It's a (laughs) piece of shit. Fuck this fucking album. What happened? they were on such a fucking roll and then what what really pisses me off about this fucking album was during the power slave the final great album of iron maiden they released a home video called behind the iron curtain where they played poland and there's a scene where bruce dickinson is talking to some polish guy in a bar and the guy goes to bruce dickinson i would like i would like to put keyboards Uh, no he goes I would like to put synthesizers I want to play heavy metal but I want to and I I play the synthesizer and Bruce goes you can't put synthesizers in heavy metal it won't work and what does he do on the next damn album there's synthesizer on it oh my god it was such a letdown when I heard this freaking album it was like and I know people love it I think the only good thing about this album is the damn album cover the album cover is one of the best. Not not better than Killers, which to me is the greatest made an album cover. Probably the greatest metal album cover ever. But Somewhere in Time, I really do like the album cover and the little hidden meanings. If you look good enough, you see Two Minutes to Midnight and stuff like that all over this. Uh, and uh, But I think this album totally blows now. I know a lot of people are just, like, screaming and pulling their hair out and say, how can you say that about my favorite Iron Maiden album? Well, the reason I can say it is because, again, I'm an old motherfucker. If I would have bought this album the same time you did, you're younger, I would have probably liked it as much as you do. That's probably the reason why I love In Through the Outdoor from Led Zeppelin. I'm sure if I was was into Led Zeppelin uh, all that time, I would have thought that album sucked too, but it's a timing issue with me. I'm old school. Just like if you ever meet a guy that says, oh, Metallica's best album is the black album. Well, you know that motherfucker wasn't around in the 80s to appreciate what Metallica was. So I hate this fucking album. So let's get into it. What do you guys start off this album? I'm disgusted.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. We open the proceedings with, <laughs> trying not to laugh here, Caught Somewhere in Time, or the somewhat quasi-title track, as it were. It begins with guitar and bass synthesizers It's guitar synth and bass synths which were recorded actually in Holland because the drums and bass were recorded in um, Nassau where the two previous albums were done um, and it begins with the da 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 da, da 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 and then all of a sudden kicks in with the heavy dun dun, 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 dun. once that kicks in the song gets interesting for me and the title tr- and the lyrics are excellent I mean, Bruce Dickinson did have some writer's block on this album, so he didn't write anything for it. But um, Steve Harris picked up the ball on this one, and the song just kicks ass and to me, a killer way to open my first Iron Maiden album. Ian, off you go. All
1: right. Well, actually, I'm so pissed off by Ralph's diatribe about this masterpiece. I, I do mean pissed off, and well, it probably doesn't help that I'm like, eight beers into our recording today. Uh, caught somewhere in time. Uh, a little bit more background on this. They were just coming off of uh, the Mammoth Power Slave Tour, uh, which was just a- an amazingly long tour, resulting in what I feel is one of the greatest live albums of all time, Live After Death, uh, which I fucking adore. The, the album, the video, uh, classic. But the band was was severely burned out and felt that like they wanted to do something different. And what Bruce wanted to do, actually, he wanted to incorporate acoustic music with Iron Maiden, something a little bit more like Jethro Tull, believe it or not, which Steve Harris is a huge fan of. But that's the direction that Dickinson had envisioned for this. Hey, let's let's go 180 and and do something you know acoustic, mix it in with what we normally do. But as we all know, this ship is steered by Steve Harris, and and he shot that down. And instead. Uh, they went with, you know, Guitar Synth. And I think it worked perfectly. But, you know, it's very much like Ralph said, uh, the time I came into this, uh, you know, this is the first album, so I didn't know any better, and I think it sounds great. Caught Somewhere in Time is just, uh, you know, da 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 you know. I fucking love everything. I think it's an epic song. Uh, I think it's a great way to start the album, and it just like, took you know, like when I first put this in and played it, I was like, wow, this is taking me somewhere, you know, actually somewhere in time, without the ha! Uh, and it was it was great, no shit. Uh, and, and I still, I li- every time I listen to this album, and I go back to this a lot, it's always fresh, and it's always entertaining, and I think it is a great way to start off a great album. Uh, Ralph, What would you like to say about this incredible title track?
0: Okay, before I get into the title track, I want to bring up uh, something that you brought up that, that really does bother me, and I cannot understand the human race when it comes to the love for that atrocity called Live After Death, that piece of crap live album. And I want to give you a little example. When we're done with this review, I want you to go and put on, well, actually any song, but especially... Flight of Icarus, and tell me, tell me that shit's good. Bruce Dickinson sounds like fucking ass on that whole album. He's horrible. He kills, the band's good. Not The band is on, they're playing great, but Bruce Dickinson sounds like pure ass. Matter of fact, I even go farther to say, Bruce Dickinson's been sounding like pure ass in the 80s, where his height, I think, and you can see it on video, is the uh, Beast over Hammersmith. That was Bruce Dickinson at his peak, at his greatest vocally hitting those high notes. Already, if you look at the Dortmund version of uh, the Dortmund Live, uh, Peace of Mind, his voice is already straining by time power slave, and afterwards. It even gets worse after Live After Death. I mean, listen to uh, another live one, a dead one. I mean, the guy just sounds horrible. Again, anybody listening to this broadcast, and I know ninety nine point nine of you love live after death. Go ahead. Put on Flight of Icarus and then honestly tell me, does Bruce Dickinson not sound like a tired, fucked up, shitty singer? Because he does to me. Now, I'd like to also say this about Bruce Dickinson. He sounds awesome now. I don't know what happened to him after his solo stuff, which by the way, I love. I love Accident at Birth and Chemical Wedding more than anything maiden has done after power slave uh and then you know brave new world which i don't like the later maiden stuff but i have seen him live and i think he sings much better now these days than he did back in the 80s after the number of the beast tour okay so okay that's all i had to say about that crappy fucking live after death it should have just been called death after death and fucking don't release this Alright, now going into this crappy album where we start off with Caught Somewhere in Time, we're ready. The first note is like, hey, look, we changed. Hey, you know, here's the Rainbow Connection, guys. And uh, I don't care for the song. I saw the tour. Bruce Dickinson came out in his fucking outfit that had these colored tubes. It was really odd. And they opened the show with Somewhere in Time. And I remember everybody around me going apeshit, and I just stood there with my arms crossed, thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? Why can't I get into this garbage? Uh, I, you know, just to cap off the the first track on the album, Caught Somewhere in Time, fucking
2: sucks. I guess I'll introduce number two then. Thank you, Ralph, for your unbiased opinion. (laughs) You can edit my laughs out of that. Next is the album's first single, Wasted Years, and the song that was the reason why i got the album in the first place um the video i remember was the band just rehearsing for their tour and showed some old classic video footage like the women in uniform video flight of icarus run to the hills etc 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 and um adrian smith wrote this by his lonesome and just a great sign um one of the songs in the album not drenched by guitar sins, but a an excellent song, and I'm forever grateful for this song because it actually got me hooked on Iron Maiden as a 10-year-old. Ian, do you have any more to say?
1: Yeah, I would just like to... I I, I could be wrong here, but I thought the first single was Stranger in a Strange Land. It was Wasted no, Years. No,
0: it was Wasted Years.
1: All right, well then fuck you both. Um, I love Wasted Years. Uh, great song. Uh, Adrian Smith written the song. And you can kind of see where he's definitely leaning towards a more commercial. And when he would leave Iron Maiden after uh, uh, Seven Son of a 7th Son, he would make this horrible album called ASAP, the Adrian Smith Project, uh, which was horrible. Uh, But I think his commercial writing here was perfect. I think it's a great single and uh, just a fantastic Maiden song. And I would also like to apologize uh, for my co-host, Ralph, who has a very high fever right now, and uh, he, he, you know, he, he's just kind of babbling. I mean, I mean, it's it's you know, it's uh, it could be something serious. But "Wasted Years" is a great song, and whatever Ralph has to say, keep in mind this—he's an older gentleman with a boiling fever right now, and uh, you know, don't hold it against him unless it's a big set of titties, because he'd probably love that, uh, Ralph. Uh, or or whoever's in, inhibiting Ralph's brain right now. What do you think of wasted years?
0: Well, before I get into wasted years, I would like to say that tits don't matter. I like all sizes, flat, big, medium. To me, what really matters is a girl to make me come with a blowjob. That's what I want. I want a girl. No, don't show off like you're some kind of porn star and look at me and flick. And no, no, make me come with your mouth or fucking. oh no, you can keep sucking. I don't care if I come or not. Now let's get back to uh, Wasted Years. Okay, here I'm gonna shock you guys. Just because I'm a little you know, senile and I wear Depends doesn't mean my opinion doesn't matter, okay? And plus, you know, you go to shows, man. You know when you gotta go to the bathroom? I don't miss anything, I just pee right in my Depends. (laughs) Keep watching the show. Unless they play somewhere in time or some shit like that, then yeah, it's bathroom break time. Wasted Years, I actually like this song musically. I know it's a little poppy from Iron Maiden. It's a little commercial, but I really do enjoy this song musically. Uh, I think Bruce Dickinson sounds like ass on it. I hate his voice. I just can't stand the guy's voice from this point up to uh, Brave New World. I just think his uh, voice just sounds flat and boring. And oh, I the ways, oh god! I mean, give me, give me a okay. And I'm going to say something I know is going to piss everybody off. What I don't understand about the human race, but I guess what the human race doesn't understand about me, is that I actually like No Prayer for the Dying more than something Yes, you heard me like. And I'll explain to you why. Actually, remind me at the end of the show, because uh, I want Terrence to wake up, so I won't get into it. Let's have them all uh, wake up at the end of the show. All right, so, physically Wasted Years is a good song. Vocally, it sucks ass. <clears throat> All right, wake up, Terrence. And, I, and I'll go into the next one, Sea of Madness. Sea of Madness is a, a deep track that everybody seems to like, and I, I liked it better when it was called Flight of Icarus. It's like the same type of bullshit, but I actually like Flight of Icarus. This one has the same kind of melody, Again, I mean, musically it's not bad It's a little heavier It's uh, One thing I can say about this album Some of these songs musically is good But the synthesizer And and, uh, Bruce Bruce's voice Fucks it up for me So Sea of Madness Whatever, I I really don't like this one either though it does have its moments But it, it sounds like the sister song To a much superior song Called Flight of Icarus Which by the way, a little side note steve harris never wants to play flight of icarus again because he doesn't like the fact that it's the hit from america he has something against america as bruce does as bruce has no problem saying that when he plays live in america how he's pissed off how americans just want to see the old shit well maybe because the old shit's the good shit all right so that's my review on on sea of sadness
1: all right sea of madness uh I, I love this song, and I would like to say you know you like "See a Madness" when it was called Flight to Icarus." Uh, I, I, I liked your reviews when you were on the Muppet Show and you were up in the balcony with your fucking twin, fucking <laughs> hating on everything. Uh, "See a Madness," another great song, uh, man. I just fucking love this song, and uh, I, I I don't know what else. I just I don't understand why people. uh don't get this album, because uh, to me it's fucking it's awesome. And "Sea of Madness" is just another reason why. Uh, I, I think it's an epic song. Terence, what do you think? Well, I'll let my
2: friend Terence announce uh, "Sea of Madness." Terence, I Thank you, Mister Pink Panther. "Sea of Madness," written by Adrian Smith, is another excellent song. Um, a little different, I know. Ralph may call it Flight of Icarus 2, but um, nothing tops Flight of Icarus. As a matter of fact, the best version of Flight of Icarus was actually from the Chicago Bootlight from the 83 Piece of Mind tour, where Bruce Dickinson did actually hit those operatic screams at the end. I think he just wore his voice out from years of recording, touring, recording, touring during that stage in the game. But Sea of Madness, back to the song. Excellent piece. Adrian Smith, again, wrote the song, and what else can I say? But a very good song, and I actually dig it. Um, Ian, you can begin uh, Heaven Can Wait, if you like.
1: All right, Heaven Can Wait. All right, here's where I really get to piss off Ralph, which I love to do. Because Heaven to Wait is the bitch of this fucking album. Um, it's just way too long, over-repetitive, and unfortunately, it's it's the only song... Well, they started playing Wasted Years on the last couple tours, but Heaven Can Wait was the holdover. And I, I do find this one rather boring. Even though, I, I mean, I still like it. It's one of those where, like, I love every song, but you have to pick a least favorite. It's definitely Heaven Can Wait. Uh, you know, with the, oh, 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 oh. I mean, you know, maybe if you're from fucking across the pond and you're into fucking, you know, sports like fucking soccer, which isn't even a fucking sport, um... You get into that kind of chanting and shit like that. But to me, it kind of fell on death ears, even though there's some parts I like. But if I had to cut, you know, trim the fat on this album, it would definitely be Heaven Can Wait. Uh, so, Ralph, you want to agree with me for once? You- yeah,
0: fortunately I do. And I don't even want to play around saying I like it just to piss you off because I can't <laughs> with this song. this song. And I'll explain to you why this song really, really pisses me off. Because starting with Somewhere in Time, I went to go see the Seven Sun tour after that. Then, uh, well, No Prayer canceled, but they but they uh, came down here, Fear the Dark, and X Factor. All those tours came to South Florida. I went to all four of those tours, and all four of those shows, they played this craptacular <laughs> song. I fucking hate this song, and I couldn't understand why they kept playing it over and over and over again. It seemed like they just loved it, and I noticed when they would play this song live, it would just sap the energy from the crowd. Nobody was into this shit. Even mm-hmm. like during the Summer Time era, everybody was like, man, when I hear those did it 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 I'm like, man, maybe I can get a quick blowjob. Maybe I can find a girl that can make me come to a blowjob here during this song. Because if she can make me come to a blowjob, she can do it in these five, six, seven minutes of just fucking boredom. And yes, Ian, that's right, I agree with you. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh my god. Fuck this song. I felt like going up on stage and anally raping Steve Harris for this shit with my fist. Fuck this <laughs> wait! I can't wait till it's over.
2: It's shit, song. Pardon me, guys. Excuse me, but Terrence has something to announce here. Thank you, Mr. Pink Panther. Pertaining to the sign you two hate, Heaven Can Wait. Thank you, Mr. Pink Panther. Heaven Can Wait. You can both... Put the gun to my head. I fucking
1: love "Heaven Can Wait." (laughs) I said it. What does the Pink Panther 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 think about this song?
0: Yeah.
1: You you know this is on audio and they can't see that you are holding up a Pink Panther doll. It's not an action figure; it's a doll. I'm just yeah. We gotta
0: gotta explain that.
2: (laughs) That's okay.
1: He's my uh, he's my counterpart.
2: Well, let me just say this. Um, I think "Heaven Can Wait" is not a bad tune. Terrence played it in the car all the time while I was, he was being Mr. Navigator, driving back to Massachusetts, and we were rocking out to it. Thank you, Mr. King yeah. Panther.
0: Yeah, he's only saying that because he's at your mercy, then.
1: <laughs> Very funny, Ralph. Oh, th- then can I stick my hand up your ass, Ralph, and make you say you <laughs> like this album?
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe I will like it if I have some good, good gay anal sex. Maybe I'll get it.
2: <laughs> well, anyways, "Heaven Can Wait" written by Steve Harris excellent song actually i prefer the live version on the Maiden england cd and e- uh dvd that was released last year of the seven sun tour and to me you know for some reason americans could not get that chant thing going but then again they chant to that pedophile gary glitter at uh, football games Duh-dun-ay. i'd rather hear oh, oh, oh over hey any day heaven can wait I have a weak spot for the song, and I think it's a killer song, and if you two don't like it, that's too tough sh- fucking shit and fuck off. We're both gonna suck it. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, uh, Terrence, why don't you just continue with the, the opening track on side two?
2: The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, another Steve Harris composition, and... An overlooked gem. It's a song they hardly... I don't think they played live. I could be wrong. They
0: never played it live.
2: Well, there you go. The song is an overlooked gem on this album. And um, what else can I say about it? Excellent song. And um, if if you want a bad Iron Maiden album, No Prayer for the Dying is the Contender is the worst Iron Maiden album, as well as those Blaze Bailey atrocities. Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, compared to those, fucking masterpiece Ralph, now your turn
0: It sucks, go ahead Ian, tell tell, tell (laughs) us what you think about it
1: All right. well first of all, I have to defend Terrence and the Pink Panthers uh, tirade on uh, Gary Glitter because 5 year old Asian boys need love too so uh, (laughs) funny enough, Loneliness and Long Distance Runner I love this fucking song love it Uh, and (laughs) I had uh, this came out, I believe I was in 6th grade and my math teacher was yelling at me like, you know, you're not paying attention in class. I'd, I'd get caught like, you know, doodling, you know, metal shit in my Trapper Keeper other than doing math. And he's like, you know, what's your problem? And I'm like, man, all I think about is fucking metal. And he's like, metal? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, this is the shit. I go, I'm going to bring you in some metal and let you listen to it. And I And this is one of the cassettes I brought in. And he came back and he goes... I don't know, he goes But I did like that Iron Maiden song Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner So if it's good enough for my 6th grade math teacher It's fucking good enough for me And I love this song I think it's epic Uh, Even though The lyrics don't, I give a shit less about running Unless I'm being chased But I think it's a great fucking song
2: I think the lyrics might have been based on the movie The Marathon Man, if I'm not mistaken
1: I love that movie Is it safe?
0: Yeah, what a great, great movie that was. Um, I would like—I would like to say what Ian just said. I—I I don't know what's worse, Gary Glitter, fucking Little Boys, or or some guy that likes loneliest uh, long distance <laughs> runner shaping the mind of Little Boys. I think they're both dangerous to the youth. Fuck no, that song. No matter
1: no matter what, we're all fucked.
0: Your, your teacher sucks. <laughs> all, all right, right so I, I'll go. on. Uh, let me start this one. I want to start this one because I know you guys love this one, "Stranger in a Strange Land." Now, here's uh, the continuous uh, "Achilles Last Stand," worshiping Iron Maiden song. Uh, where I could be wrong, I'm trying to think. Uh, Wasn't? Didn't it all start with uh, "The Trooper" or uh, "Flight of Icarus"? That dun 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 dun. Because I can't recall any song before that. Because you had. Dun, 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 there and then, also on Power Slave, you had the song Power Slave and Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner with the Gallop. Now we continue with the Gallop. Now this is the this song just bores the piss out of me. And yeah, you know, I I I always hated this song, but I just hated extra because this is what got Ian into the album. And uh, the the video sucks. Um, I saw that tour and uh, the whole thing with the inflatable Eddie. I thought was hokey live when i saw it it wasn't like the power slave with a huge mummy i mean power slave tour was so badass because it it was one thing after the other it was like first you see the big mummy eddie walking around and all that crazy shit and then at the very end this humongous eddie comes out with uh you know with bandages all over well this one was a blow-up doll you know it's fucking hokey and then they show it in the the video and then uh the next album, I think, it was Seven Sun had to gallop, but which, you know, uh, the song Seven Sun, which I didn't mind. Uh then after that with where, where uh, No Prayer for the Dying had this exceptionally kick ass great song called Run Silent, Run Deep, which continues this gallop shit. That song fucking fools. And the reason why I called No Prayer for the Dying oh, oh shit. I'll talk about No Prayer for the Dying at the end. Terrence fell asleep again. Anyway, fuck Stranger in a Strange Land. Fuck that song in the brown eye. All right,
1: all right. Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, go fuck yourself. I love this song. And, you know, if honestly, if you think about it, probably 75% of all Iron Maiden songs sounds like they were written by uh, Steve Harris fucking on the back of a horse. They all have that fucking, you know, that gallop.
0: Achilles Last Stand. Listen to that Led Zeppelin song.
1: Yeah. But, uh. Bad
2: Lights Out by uh, UFO. Oh, uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet you that's where he got it from. Yeah. Yeah. And, One of UFO's only good songs.
2: And Love Drive by the Scorpions, yeah. too. Nice.
1: But, uh, no, I, I love this song. It was my introduction to Maiden. Uh, I saw this video on Headbangers Ball, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. This is why I bought the album, and by proxy, that is why. <laughs> I'm a huge Maiden fan. Uh, I cannot say enough good about this. It's it's a great fucking track. But uh, you know, if if you don't like it, you're wrong. But you know, there's nothing wrong with being wrong. But I love being wrong.
2: Stranger in a strange land. Um, Excellent song. Adrian Smith wrote the music for wrote the song himself. Um, The video wasn't one of the best Maiden videos, but it wasn't one of their worst either. I've seen much worse. And I do tell a lie about the first time I heard Maiden. First time I heard Maiden was years earlier with *Flight of Icarus*, when MTV played that video, like mad, and impressed me as a seven-year-old. But I delayed buying any albums of theirs till '87, which I, like I said, acquired via trade. But seven, uh, *Stranger in a Strange Land* is an excellent song, um, musically, lyrically, just. Just a great song, although its video was kind of hokey. It was just a an run, average run-of-the-mill performance clip, but the song kicks ass otherwise. And uh, I'll let Ian introduce the next song. Ian, take it away.
1: Uh, I feel like I already introduced this song, but maybe it's just fucking deja vu. Uh, ah, get it? <laughs> uh, topical humor. Uh, I love this fucking song. It's, it's, it's another one. Uh, I mean, how do you fault this album, other than fucking Heaven Can Wait? Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I I just love it. I mean, I've got nothing extra special to say about it, but I think it's a great tune. And I would love to see Maiden, you know, just play something like this. You know, just something different off this album other than Wasted Years or Heaven Can Wait. And if they played this, I'd be fucking tickled pink. So, uh, Ralph, I I know this this is probably one of the ones you really like. You know, you're gonna surprise me with, right?
0: Uh, well, I'll tell you this, Maiden has never played this song live, and this song really does piss me off because I do like it. And I, and I hate liking <laughs> any- it. I love it. I hate liking anything off the sound, but this is as close as they get to classic Maiden. Uh, this could have fit well on, um, on Power. Well, no, maybe more Peace of Mind. Uh, got that feel, the old school days. Uh, it's just a great, this is a great song. Uh, Not my favorite, though, believe it or not, but uh, I do like Deja Vu. What do you think, Terrence?
2: Uh, Leaving me last. Um, Deja Vu, written by Dave Murray and Steve Harris, uh, begins, when I first heard this, I thought the intro was like a, a hidden outro to the previous track, but I guess I was wrong when I first got the CD in November of 93, because it begins with that slow guitar synth and guitar solo thing, and then all of a sudden kicks in with the da 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 and Deja vu really is an excellent song and I concur with you two you two bastards that the song kicks recon ass as they say in the military.
0: It's just a shame. They should have put Deja vu on Peace of Mind and put Quest of Fire on Somewhere in Time so it could have spectacular album it is.
2: Alexander the great and one word for the song great no make that superb this eight nine minute epic was written about the old conquering hero alexander the great and like i said iron maiden could sum up in nine minutes what took that piece of shit oliver stone three hours to sum up the story of a great hero the way it begins sets the mood and then it goes into the um the main riff, the dun 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 dun, and for quite a while, singing about Alexander the Great's conquering stuff, and then stops cold and goes into the dun 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 dun, and then goes into somewhere else for the for the guitar solo section, and then goes back to the main riff that we had for much of the song. And what else can I say? But Alexander the Great is a fucking great masterpiece. Uh, Ralph, now your opinion. Okay,
0: Alexander the Great pisses me off even more than Deja Vu because I like it more than Deja Vu. I think it's the best song on the album. And it was actually Iron Maiden doing something different than they have ever before because there are some like almost jazzy-type changes in the, in the song. Uh, to me, the standout track on the album, to me, the only two songs that matter are the last two songs on the album. Now, I'm not 100% sure if I really do like those songs or it just makes me happy to know the shitty album's almost over. Maybe that's why I like those two songs. I don't know.
1: I'm actually glad to hear you like this because I figured your favorite part of this album was the silence in between the tracks. Uh, yeah, well, uh,
0: well, actually, that is the best part of the album.
1: But I, I think this this is an epic Iron Maiden song. Uh, never played live. If, if you go on their chat room, this is one that fans are always asking to hear, uh, the, the smart fans, that is. Uh, it's it just it's a great fucking track. I think it's on par with "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner." Now that might be blasphemy to some people, but I think it's that fucking epic and important, and should be played.
2: And there's four more songs that were recorded for uh, somewhere in time, but not used. Uh, a couple B sides. One was "That Girl," which wasn't a bad tune. "Juanita," not uh, not bad, but not great either. "Reach Out." Adrian Smith, I believe, sang that one and is an excellent number. And what was the other one, the fourth one? Something of H- Huddersfield uh, or something? Sheriff,
0: Sheriff, Sheriff of Huddersfield. Which was yeah, about a uh, manager.
2: That was Rod, a fun Rod one Smallwood, too. yes. Oh, Rod Smallwood. And that's my opinion, actually. And to be fair, Somewhere in Time is 10 times better than uh, Turbo by Priest, which. That album, to me, was a Human Tranquilizer, as was that album's follow-up, Ram It Down. Both albums, both put me to sleep.
1: All this right. This one doesn't. All right, I'd like to say um, I love this album. It does get a lot of comparison to uh, Judas Priest Turbo, which was also my first Judas Priest album. Uh, I think this has aged a hell of a lot better than Turbo. Uh it, it, I, I think it's just a—it's a great album. I love Maiden is one of my favorite bands of all time. I'm a huge, huge fan of the Deano era. Uh, you know, b- both the first two studio albums of Made in Japan are incredible and have a fire that uh, that they've never gotten back. Uh, not that I don't like the Bruce, but it's a totally different, you know, totally different feel. Get more of a punk, more you know, just urgent feel to it that I love. You can't go wrong, though, with Number the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave. I still love Live After Death. I don't give a fuck what Ralph says. This album is great. Uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. While I enjoy it, I'm not as big on it as most people are. And unfortunately, I have to agree with Ralph. I am a big fan of No Prayer for the Dying. I think, yes I, I, I think uh, there's some really good songs I like how they went back to like Hey, we're going to do some shorter songs It felt more urgent You know, more like angry um, there, I, I think, you know, maybe they were lost Because Adrian Smith wasn't there anymore So they're like, oh, let's go back to Trying this or whatever But I like it, it's it's not their best But I like the feel I definitely think it's a stronger album than the follow-up Fear of the Dark uh, Which I think there That's are some right. There are some good songs on, but overall, I think No Prayers, a stronger record. Uh, the Blaze era, I really cannot stand. Uh, but I don't put all the blame on Blaze. I think a lot of it had to do with uh, sloppy songwriting from Steve Harris. When they got back together with uh, Bruce, I love Brave New World. I think Brave New World's a great record. Uh, nice having all three guitar play. I like that they kept Yannick. Because Yannick stuck by him through some shitty fucking years. And uh, I I think he adds a lot to the band and and a lot of spirit. Um, uh, Dance of the Death. Eh, I like it better than I did when it first came out. But that ain't fucking saying much. Um, Let's see what's after that. Uh, uh, Matter Matter of Life life. and Death. Um, There's some good material on there. But this is the songs are getting way too fucking long overall. Uh, you know, they need to trim a lot of fat, too many repetitive choruses that go nowhere. Uh, you know, and, and that's plagued a lot of Iron Maiden, you know, if I'm honest, but there are some good songs on that album. Uh, final frontier. I saw the final frontier tour. There's some good songs on there, but once again, way longer than it needs to be. Um, uh, Again, I think all bands need to go back to Think of it as a vinyl record and, and keep those time constraints And, you know Just come up with the best shit And cut off the fat And I think, I would love to hear a made album Where they just trim the fucking fat Give me one fucking epic, but the rest of it Give me some fucking two minutes to midnight Give me some run to the hills You know, give me some, you know, you know Four minutes, I'm gonna fucking slap you upside the fucking head And I'm out Um uh, but uh, we'll see what happens with the next album. I, I, I hope it leans towards that, but we'll see. Overall, I love Iron Maiden, and uh, I just want to apologize for what Ralph's going to say after this.
2: Go uh, ahead. I forgot to interject, I forgot to interject um, about the other albums. No Prayer, I wasn't a fan of Fear of the Dark. I actually did enjoy, much to you two's chagrin. The blaze? atrocities I don't even acknowledge those albums just like I don't acknowledge the Ripper Owens era priest albums to me they suck work just as bad if not worse than these brave new world best thing they did since seven son in my honest humble opinion Dance of death not a bad album not their best either I prefer the songs live on the um, death on the road album personally matter of life and death eh, not bad not not their best work either but not their worst and the final frontier i actually do love as well as the in vivo live album from the final frontier tour which is my third favorite live my fourth favorite maiden live album after Beast over Hammersmith live after death and maiden england 88 ralph now yours
0: okay uh i hate to agree with the end but yeah to me i mean i love the piano stuff more than more than any iron maiden era i love how the pissed off they were, I love how hungry they were, they didn't, they didn't, to me, those two, first, those two albums, there's not a bad song to be found, solid albums, uh, love, any. Uh, and, you know, everybody's love, piano, yeah, piano added a lot, but they also have to remember, man, Mr., the late, great, Clive Burr, who was just such a monster, amazing drummer, and Neil McBrain, Nico McBrain filled those shoes quite nicely. I got to say, Nico McBrain is a monster drummer as well, but I can't blame Nico for, you know, not being there when they did, in my opinion, their best music because Remember the Beast would be my favorite Bruce Dickinson era. Uh, I mean, um, even though, and I know I'm going to get shit for this, I don't like Invaders or Ganglands, but the rest of the album, I, I feel like Total Eclipse should have been on there and I can do without those two songs. Peace of Mind, I love, except for Quest for Fire. I think Sun and Steel is a very underrated classic they never played live. Of course, um, Power Slave against Wallace, I love it. I love Lost for Words. I love Back in the Village, which a lot of consider the hokey one. I love that song, I love that whole album. Solid all the way up to there. Then after that, you know, you already heard what I feel about some more time. Uh, Seven Sun. Ugh, I like Moonchild, and I like uh, the title track, but the rest, eh. Um, no Prayer, you know, I mean, I I don't really, really think it's that great, but compared to the two prior, yeah, because they're going more to a stripped down type thing, you know, Tail Gunner, which is kind of like Ace's High part two. Like I said earlier, uh, Run Silent, Run Deep, Assassin, the title track, Mother Russia, I love all those songs more than anything from the past two albums. Um, uh, Fear of the Dark, I consider, I, I, I call Fear of the Dark Shit Sandwich because it starts off with, um, uh, what's that song that's that quick to That's the opening track. The last track is Fear of the Dark. Those two songs are good. They're like two strong pieces of bread. Everything inside it is shit. I'm sorry, I don't like Judas to be my guy. I especially, to me, in my opinion, the worst song Iron Man has ever done, even worse than anything Blaze has done, with the exception of Angel and the Gambler. I say it's as bad as Angel and the Gambler is Weekend Warrior. Holy crap, what the fuck was that about? Okay, the play stuff, eh. Musically, I do like um, uh, Man on the Edge. I like the, the first sign of the cross. Uh there's a couple of songs off both albums, Future, Real. Um I you know, but Blaze sounds kinda crappy. I did see the X Factor Tour and I thought Blaze was much better live than Captured on Tape. But yeah, uh that was Steve Harris just being a control freak, just like Glenn Tipton was during the Ripper era. No input from everybody, just took over and really suffered for it. Uh then Brave New World, which I didn't really like. I liked um I liked the Ghost of the Navigator and Fallen Angel. Uh, Wicker Man, I liked better when it was uh, recorded by Judas Priest and they called it Running Free. Uh, no, no, I mean Running Wild. And then after that, I really don't care. I don't care for Dancing death. <clears> I don't care for a matter of, life of death. And I saw the Final Frontier tour and I spent most of the time going outside getting beer. And didn't run in when they play uh, something old like The Trooper or Ratshaw, but most of that show was just stuff from you know brave new world up so that was a very big disappointing mm-hmm. show um which i really loved the tour before that what, what was the tour they played in florida which was uh what was that tour somewhere where, back in time uh, oh my god time. that was an amazing show where they played children of the dam i've never seen them play that they played uh family opera which i don't like when bruce sings piano songs to me it's a downgrade but At least to see them play it, which, by the way, they did play Phantom of the Opera on the Somewhere in Time tour. Um, So my recap is I am a huge Iron Maiden fan from 1980 to 1984. There are spots I like afterwards, but as a whole, I think it's just horrible. And to me, Judas Priest will always be the superior band. I know a lot of people prefer Iron Maiden, obviously, because Iron Maiden can still play huge festivals, and huge arenas where Judas Priest has to downgrade to amphitheaters and, you know, smaller venues, at least down here. So Iron Maiden came out the winner, but then again, Justin Bieber's more popular than both of them combined. So that just shows you how the human race is. So my recap is fuck somewhere in time, all hail Paul Diano and all hail Bruce Dickinson up to Power Slave. I forgot to interject. Another thing thing I'm sorry I have to bring up is... uh, um, Janik Gears Fuck that guy <laughs> Seriously He's sloppy He's the most Annoying member I've ever seen Live on stage Other than the Bass player of Rat I mean That guy Is really I don't know Why the fuck He's still in the band My I think he has Pictures of Steve Harris Fucking farm animals. <laughs> That's why I think He's still in the Fucking band That guy's horrible He sucks He looks like Eddie that's the only good part about it. He looks like Eddie. But he's, he's a sloppy player. It pisses me off when he plays Adrian Smith solos while Adrian Smith is on the fucking stage with him. What the fuck's up with that shit? That's fucking blasphemy. That's as bad as Tommy Fair. Fuck Janet Gears. Fuck him in the brown eye. And um, uh, and, oh, and also want to bring up the B-sides that Terrence brought up earlier. Juanita... A great fucking song, a hard rocker, a fast one, really cool. That girl is a little more melodic, but I dig it. And uh, Sheriff, uh, how, how do you feel? I love that song. It's funny. It's kick-ass. Those songs, I mean, they, that reach out. made it to me. Reach out, I didn't like. I'm sorry. It was just too damn melodic. It's was, it was like you can tell Adrian was, I mean, if you look, I believe that's the album where Adrian's actually wearing a Benny Vincent Invasion shirt. If you look inside, he is. Yeah. Uh, look look inside the booklet. He's wearing a that's big, cool. uh, and then on 7th Sun, I think he's wearing an L.A. gun shirt, which, you know, I know that against, I like the first L.A. gun down, but, you know, Benny Vincent, I mean, that's, I mean, what, regardless of what you guys think of Benny Vincent, which I really love his working kiss, his uh, solo invasion shit was like so over the top and so glammy with the pink hair and all that where Adrian, for Adrian to be into that instead of like, you know, flair and stuff that was going on the time, showed you the direction he wanted it going. You can tell he's getting sick of the battle, unfortunately. But, um, and that's why I feel that, um, somewhere in time and, and Seven Son kind of, uh, suffered from the hunger fire from all the ones before, and no prayer of dying, even though it did fail. I mean, they, at least they attempted to bring back the fire they had earlier releases with shorter songs and more
2: to the point. And um, I am a fan of the Deano years myself. I love everything from 1980 to 88. No Prayer Was a Detour, Fear of the Dark, like I said, was a good album, not their best album either. The Blaze Bailey, I call it the, um, the Ripper Owens period of uh, Maiden slash Ray Wilson period of Genesis, whatever you want to call it. And um, that bad. And then Dickinson coming back was to me like Phil Collins returning to Genesis. And, um, you know, and I ranked the comeback albums with Dickinson, um, Brave New World first, Final Frontier second, Dance of Death third, and uh, Matter of Life and Death in last. And uh, live albums, my rankings, number one, I'll make it, yeah, Beast Over Hammersmith's number one, number two, Live After Death, number three, Need in England 88, number four, uh, in Vivo, from the Final Frontier Tour, number five, Rock Rockin' Rio, number six, Death on the Road, and then the uh, Flight 666 is seventh, and then eighth and ninth were the two live albums from the Fear of the Dark Tour, Real Life Dead, one and uh, Live in Dunnington.
1: <clears throat> All right, in closing, I would like to say, uh, I, I still stand by Yannick Gears, and I don't know what you have against Juan Crucié from uh, Rat, but I'm sure we'll get into that when we review a Rat album. And I love oh Iron
0: Maiden The guy's beyond annoying
1: on stage oh, oh my it, It's no different than Rudy Sarzo I mean they both fuck the bass And lick it no, you know. Hey, 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 hey. No,
0: no 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 negative Rudy Sarzo talk. Hey I love That's Rudy
1: Sarzo I, I got my picture I met Rudy Sarzo uh, He's playing with <laughs> Scam Queensryche And talked to him backstage He signed my copy of uh, Metal Health that I took with me And he was a great dude but uh, yeah, he fucks the base the same way Juan does, and the same way that uh, Yannick does when he's playing with Maiden.
0: He's from my hometown, Hialeah, Florida. He's a Cuban like me, and uh, and he and he his best friends with Randy Rose. I mean, come on. Yeah, all right. He looks great. Great player. and a, an amazing human being. He's a very nice guy. Actually, I don't know him personally, but I met him several times, and he's. Rudy Sarzo rules. We should do a show on Rudy
1: Sarzo. Well, actually, because... actually I'm close personal friends with Rudy Sarzo. and uh, uh, Interesting story. Uh, and, and he's a big fan of Juan Cruce and uh, Yannick Gears. So just want to let you know that. Oh, and I also
0: want to say this show is sponsored by South Florida thrash metal band Thrash or Die. That's right, Thrash or Die. Everybody in the band is pussy whipped except for the singer. The singer is desperately looking for a girl to give him a blowjob and make him come at the same time. So if you have the skills to make me come with a blowjob, come on over. And if you can't do it, I'd appreciate that too. Thresh or die, South Florida and uh, the checks in the mail, guys.
2: And it's also been sponsored by Beantown's finest, the Boston Red Sox. Although we're in fourth place right now, it's still midway in the season, and I still think the Red Sox have a chance to – turn it around and have a good second half of the uh, baseball season and also sponsored by the New England Patriots and, that's, and there's one football team and that's Patriots Nation motherfuckers
1: alright first of all there's only one nation that's the Raider Nation uh, second of all uh, Ralph I'm going to have my mom call you because she's a hell of a date and she hates somewhere in time too so maybe you guys can hit it off oh, and, for sure come to make comfortable bro, Joe. <laughs> yeah, she'll do her best she's a sweetheart
0: you know, no, but I already know your mom. So I'll bring her over anyway. I'll have deja vu. <laughs> Feels like she's sucked this before. Feels like she's sucked this before. Wow.
1: Well, wow. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad my mom doesn't watch this, but I was signing off. Good night and God bless you all.